morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Awesome to have you all with us so early on this beautiful Friday morning. I'm really excited uh, for today. There's a whole host of things happening, but uh, yeah, all exciting things, new things, breaking new ground. That's what today is going to be. But first, uh, the show today, we're going to talk about onboarding. And let's see, you know, I don't know, we all have our own idea of what onboarding means. I really want to get into, into that and a whole host of other things around onboarding. And uh, I think often we, we think about onboarding as sending a client a link and letting them fill in their information on a system. And that is so cool. But onboarding is about so much more than that. So I want to talk about that today. But first, uh, we're going to have the news. Then we're going to do some personal development. And we also have some marketing and branding today uh, before we wrap up. So, yeah, welcome very much. Uh, well, thank you very much <laughs> for being here. Oh, my mind is all over the place this morning. But um, I'm very excited this morning uh, for the first time from the FBI. We have uh, Seema Naika, who's going to do the news for us. And uh, without any further ado, I'm going to hand over to her. But before I do that, I first need to say we've got a new Patreon supporter. And uh, that is none other than um, Tanya Kunze. So, Tanya, thank you so very much for also becoming a patron and supporting the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, that money goes to enhancing everything that we do, getting better equipment, making the show better, being able to bring live, live shows to you. So that's really what it's about. So at this stage, uh, these are our patrons. So we've got Quibbles and Denise, Janice, Johan, Francis, and now Tanya, and then also Mr. Anonymous, who, who asked to remain as such. So yeah, without any further ado, uh, and just the last thank you very much. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, over to Sima for the news. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Francois, for having me on your show this morning. In this week's news, we kick off with a warning from the FSEA cautioning against Forex Guru Investment. Uh, known as Forex Guru, they suspected of conducting unauthorized financial services and breaching various financial sector laws. Uh, the FSEA has received information that Forex Guru is soliciting money from members of the public, promising them huge returns, and it has been confirmed that Forex Guru is not an authorized uh, in terms of the Phase Act to tender uh, financial advisory and intermediary services. So keep an lookout for that. We now move on to King versus De Jager. It's a constitutional court ruling basically cancelling a fiducomissum. Um, this matter concerns a will that was executed over 100 years ago. So it basically deals with a clause in a will which contains a fiducomissum discriminating against female descendants. Um, at its core, this application concerns a novel issue, uh, whether to what an extent a court may encroach on freedom of testation through the vehicle of public policy in the context of private wills for unfair discrimination bequested against unknown descendants on the sole basis of, well, what we can regard as rigid or inflexible characteristics. The court was called upon to deal with the uh, question on how to reconcile the fundamental right to equality and the importance of freedom of testation in the context of private wills. Um, this question needed to be answered through the lens of public policy against the backdrop of our constitutional democracy. Uh, and it was declared that 
Clause 7 of the will of the late Mr. Let me get his name here correct. Mr. Carl Johannes Cornelius de Jager and uh, the late Mrs. Catherine Doretta de Jager dated on the 28th of November 1902 is inconsistent with the Constitution and the Promotion of Equality and Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act uh, 2000 and therefore unenforceable. Uh, the court actually went on uh, concluding its ruling with a very strong statement about Ubuntu, and I'm going to read it exactly how the court said it. It says, considerations of Ubuntu imply that the narrow-mindedness and self-indulgent understanding of freedom of testation should be, temp uh, should be tempted by considerations of social justice and e equity. In this context, Ubuntu means nothing more than the adage uh, that none of us are free until all of us are free when dealing with the freedom of testation with the context of gender, gender equality. The rights and privacy to, uh, and property rather, should not be uh, used as a smokescreen to shield structural inequality from constitutional scrutiny. Wow, very strong statements come from the constitutional courts. We move on to national treasury. Uh, where comments are requested uh, with regards to the amendments of uh, Regulation 28. So it's up for public comment, um, and it deals, uh, basically they want to know the, um, you know, your, your thoughts and your ideas regarding the appropriateness of the proposed amendments and limits to addressing the uh, uh, investment in infrastructure. So comments are due on the 29th of March, 2021. It can be sent to retirement dot reform at treasury.gov.za. And finally, we are, um, I'm closing off the news bulletin with aspects of SARS making changes to the tax compliance status. And I think this is uh, uh, quite important. It's effective, as we know, the 1st of March, 2021, government will implement changes to the foreign uh, control, uh, exchange control system. The foreign exchange control system together with the amendments in tax uh, tax laws will impact the tax compliance status request for foreign investment allowance and immigration, as well as withdrawal of retirement funds. And should you have um, prior to the 1st of um, March, so basically on or before the 28th of February 2021, um, if you had tested your MP336B at an authorized dealer, you will still be able to apply for a tax compliance status uh, in respect of immigration during this period until the 28th of February, 2022. So they're giving you up until, if you've got this authorized, they're giving you up until 2022, 28th February, um, you know, in terms of dealing with the uh, immigration for exchange control purposes. If you have not, and you cease to be a resident anytime after the 1st of March, 2021, you will be processed uh, by SARS based on the new dispensation where SARS will confirm that you cease to be a resident for tax purposes. So when applying for the tax compliance status in respect of foreign investment allowance, these transfers must be treated as any other foreign capital transfer. And with that, it's a wrap for the news of the week from me. Back to you, Francois.
Awesome. Thank you, Sima. I must say, I see Johan Forsler also said about that, that Wills case. And when, when I sort of read about it, I was thinking to myself, you know, that was so long ago. It was a totally different Ancient. era. Absolutely. You know, like, but, but that a court today makes a decision on, on based on things that happened way, like a, more than 100 years ago. You know, so obviously, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the, what, the, what the details are and when this person passed away and why the will is now. Has it been, been a contentious issue now for a long time and they only made a ruling today or, or uh, now? But it's just amazing to say, well, you know, back then it wasn't funny for somebody says, oh, because you're female, you can't inherit. Today it's like it's a no-go, you know, and that a court today decides based on where we are today that something that was actually okay back then, you know, it's, it's quite, it's, it's far-reaching. No, no, I think there's going to be more things like this. No, absolutely. And if you have to think about, you know, in terms of how our laws are structured, uh, we've come a long way since then. But, you know, having to be progressive in having a look at the look at legislation in the past and, you know, we've got to have to go through the, the high court, the Supreme Court, the Constitutional Court to be able to get these judgments. And sometimes it drags on years where, you know, if we take a little bit uh, more of a proactive approach in terms of what are our legislations out there that are, in fact, discriminatory, but uh, we don't live in a perfect world, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. It's one, 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 one day, one case at a time. We'll get there. Absolutely. <laughs> Sima, thank you. Uh, it was amazing. Very valuable. Packed with a lot of information in a very short space of time. So a lot of value. Thank you very much. I look forward to having you back soon. So have a thank fantastic you, weekend. Bye-bye. Stuff. Cheers. All right, so with that, we are on to our next segment, which as by now, hopefully you know, is personal development. And uh, it's great to have Norma back with us this morning. And uh, let's, let's, let's listen today about beliefs. Uh, I've spoken about this a number of times, and uh, I'm really interested to hear what Norma's got to say about this topic. Good morning, everyone. So glad to be back. Yay, it's Friday. Today we're talking about beliefs. And uh, beliefs in the past, I always used to take it very seriously, or it was a very serious word for me. But nowadays, I see it more as something that's running in the background, something that we can uh, consciously sort of think about. It's those little voices talking. It's those stories we really tell ourselves. So what really is beliefs? It's really just thoughts that we've repeated so many times over a period of time, let's say months or years, or it can even be decades, that we at some point start to believe and we think it is the truth and it is a fact. So if we have beliefs that takes us uh, closer to our goals, that's really the ones we want to keep and, and that's what we want, that's great. But sometimes those voices um, is in our heads that takes us further away from our goals. So those are the problem ones, and those are the ones we need to address, and those are the ones we're talking about today. So if those thoughts is not is not the truth or is in a fact, then what is? So you know by now that our thoughts create our results. So if we have these negative stories running in our heads that leads to negative results, we might as well change those stories and um, to make us um, go closer to our goals and and have positive results so we know now that it is in within our power to change those thoughts to get to the results that we want 
So just an example of, of a, that type of belief could be that you keep repeating, I'm a procrastinator, or I would never be able to do this, or I'm not good with numbers. So what I offer to you today is to maybe go and look at your own thoughts and pay attention to what you keep repeating to yourself, um, those voices that, that are in your head throughout the day, and even things that you speak. So question those thoughts and and really see if it is it serving you or is it is it um, is it helpful is it useful? Uh, if you can't identify those those phrases, maybe just ask a, a close or a trusted friend to help you identify things that you say on a continuous basis that is not useful. So once we are aware of things, obviously we can always change it. So we then decide. Um, it's sort of deliberate action. We commit to changing those beliefs then. So the next step would then be to who do we need to become in order to, to change that? So if I say I, in the past I used to be this big procrastinator, now I'm deciding I'm going to be the doer. So who do I need to become to be the doer? So what exactly does that look like? And it's very useful to go and actually like do it like a brainstorm session or maybe just write it down. So we need to then say, okay, I am stepping into that identity. I'm becoming that person. Uh, what we sometimes do is we want to jump into exactly how it is that we're going to do it. But we first need to become that person. Because in becoming that person, we are really taking ownership. We are taking responsibility. We'll also be able to trust ourselves in that process and actually build confidence to know that whatever we want to want to know is already inside us. And we would actually then ask the right questions. So have you ever been in a situation where someone asks advice and then as soon as the advice is given, the person immediately says, yes, but, or he says, um, yeah, yes, but that's not really applicable to me. So in, in that case, you can immediately see that that person hasn't really stepped into that identity. So let's just uh, quickly just recap. So firstly, we've got beliefs. It's either pushing us forward or taking us uh, further away from our goals. So we need to identify it. And then we need to make a commitment to change it. And then we need to step into that identity to actually become that person in order to make change further along the line. Okay, that's all I have for you today. I uh, hope it was useful. And yes, looking forward to be back next week. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Norma. I think that was extremely, I love the way that you explain things. And, you know, it's just giving these practical examples is really, really amazing. So thank you very much. Uh, we look forward to having you back next week. Have a fantastic weekend and we'll chat soon. Thank you. Bye. Alrighty. So with that, we get to the main topic of today, which is all about onboarding and uh, we are I really have a host of things that I want to share I hope I'm going to get everything into half an hour because as you know me I can talk quite a lot but uh, so in that case uh, without any further ado uh, let's uh, let's get into the client onboarding which I like to term experience I think a lot of people are looking at it as a process so let's talk about the client onboarding experience
I must just say one thing that I'm very excited about is to see the number of people who are live this morning with us. Uh, there's nothing better than, than the live show and just being a part of the live show. Uh, really excited about that. The, the other thing I'm really looking forward to is to soon have a live live show where we actually have an audience, a live audience in the studio, or we, we will get a venue where we can do that. And uh, but, uh, but hopefully we can do that soon because uh, that's going to be a whole different level of, of experience and uh, yeah, that's, that's something I really, really look forward to. Alrighty, so uh, let's talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, let's talk about onboarding. Uh, and when we talk about onboarding, I guess, again, like most other things in, in sort of the milieu of, of financial planning and financial services and business, we each have maybe our own variation of that definition. And I'm going to share with you today what that onboarding means to me, how I see it, my point of view and and just maybe where did this come from i mean how do i how did i get to this topic because it, it seems like um way back i think it was in 2015 i or 20 yeah, it was 2015 i actually wrote a workshop called designing uh, an effective financial planning process and looking back at that now that was a big part of the onboarding process actually but it's something that i've been thinking about for a long time and also the other thing is that it wasn't that exciting, you know. So um, two things happened very recently. The first thing that happened is I went to a specialist doctor there in the East Rand uh, in, in Linksfield uh, for my knee. I've got a very bad knee. There's no more cartilage in my knee, so it's bone on bone, so that kind of stuff. And I, I, I needed to, like, you know, because it, it feels like the pain these days are getting too much. So I had to go to see a doctor and see what this is about. And they're obviously specialists and they're a sports institution. And they're really well known. We really researched well before I decided who I'm going to go to. And you walk in there and it's just like friendly people. It's a nice setup. It's right at the door where you come in. You know, even when you go in, into the consultation, you know, when they need to do the, the almost said the radiation, the radiology, you just walk like three steps and you're in the radiology department. They've got their own department and they do everything in three steps and you're back in the consultation room. They spent a lot of time with me. The experience was absolutely phenomenal. But, as Norma just said, but... One thing that really got to me is like when I when I announced myself at the reception was I got handed a file or a clipboard. It was a clipboard with a file. Inside the file, uh, there was two different pieces of paper, and uh, also the front of this of this. You know this, like you know when you go to the doctor, that brown yellowish file that you get, and I had to fill in my information. So first of all, I had to fill in my my details as the patient then i had to fill in my details as the person responsible for the billing then uh, i had to put in my medical aid details all of that stuff then you go to the next form and they ask for exactly the same things and then there's another form which i had to do it for the third time i was so irritated and so frustrated that i just thought to myself come on these are these are professionals there's got to be a better way to onboard people uh, you know specifically at doctors and this is a, a standard experience when you go to the doctor i'm pretty sure whether it's a specialist or it's the first time you're going to a, to a general practitioner that is the way they do it because that's the way they've done it for so so long and one piece of paper needs to go to that person that piece maybe goes to the blood that piece goes to and it's just you know the, the poor patient <laughs> they're already not well and now they need to do all this stuff and it just gets worse so that's the first thing that happened that sort of prompted this thing about you know how do you onboard people into your business how do you onboard people into your practice and then the second thing is i attended a workshop the other day with next gen planners where they were actually also just talking about onboarding and it was very very interesting and, and what i really enjoyed is that they had four volunteers from their community who shared their own onboarding processes 
it was amazing to see the different approaches and different things that people were doing. And that's the, that's the, the amazing thing because it's exactly there where you differentiate yourself. The onboarding process is so, so, so important. But I want to take an onboarding process a step further and make it an experience. I'm going to talk about that. But the other thing I think when we hear about onboarding is you're all aboard, you know, like getting on a ship or getting on a train, getting on a bus, on a plane, you know, anything like that where uh, what's really happening is that, you know, they check if you have a ticket and are you who you say you are and then say, oh, which seat? And then there you go and they make sure you go sit in the seat where you are supposed to be sitting according to your ticket. Um, what this onboarding thing is really about is really making sure that you are on the thing that you need to be on. They're settling you in and making sure that you are ready for the journey. Okay, because most of these things where onboarding happens or where you need to go all aboard is that you're going to move from one place to the next and that's a journey. So some will make sure, depending on the type of ticket you bought, just how comfortable you are, you know, how well they look after you, all that kind of stuff. And you, if you bought the cheap uh, tickets, then you're going to sit right on top of the person in front and at the back of you. Unfortunately, that is how it is. So basically onboarding is bringing a new client into your world. If I look at it from a financial planning point of view, a financial services point of view is onboarding is about introducing people to what it is that you do, how you do it, what they can expect, and you make them part of your world. You bring them into your family. Or uh, I'm, I'm going to go through the phases in, in, in one second, but um, I think we, you need to be very clear, or you and I need to be very clear about how do we define that. And, and I've got an onboarding process for Ignite, and uh, there's a few things that we're doing. It's not running 100% smoothly yet, but there are a few things with a few touch points and things that we're doing to make it a very awesome experience. And, uh, you know, as you go through it, you learn what's working, what's not working, what needs tweaking, what can, what maybe we shouldn't be doing, and uh, where can we do things better. So, so it's part of the process. The one thing that onboarding is not about, it's not about gathering information. And I think that's what we think about. It's like, oh, now I need all your assets and liabilities, your incomes and expenses, and your policy and investment information, and your retirement fund information. Please, like, sign a letter of authority, sign or, or, you know, go complete this link and give me all your assets and liabilities, whatever that may be. That is one part or one section of onboarding. But as I said when I started, that onboarding is so much wider and so much broader than, than that. So what are the steps or the phases of onboarding, according to Francois? Um, and, and these are different things, and one can decide in your own business when does onboarding start and when does it end? That's up to you. You can make that decision and you define that for your business. But um, I'm going to share with you sort of the different phases because onboarding is definitely for me starting off with canvassing and vetting. Because, well, first, maybe it's a referral. Maybe it is a lead. Maybe it is somebody that you met. You know, maybe it's because of your marketing that somebody said, please, I want to talk to you. However that person got to you, you know, there was some canvassing that happened and uh, to, to attract this particular client to you or to attract you to this particular client. But then it's about the vetting side. And I know that sounds very clinical and very, you know, just sort of, I don't know, very regulatory almost. But when we say you need to vet, it means like you and the client needs to decide, do you want to work with one another? Are you suited for one another? Are you a good fit? 
Because that's what it's about at the end of the day. If you really want a successful relationship, uh, a successful business relationship with someone, you really want to add value to their, to their lives, they need they add value to your business, then there needs to be a good fit. That is absolutely non-negotiable. And so often, specifically when we start out, we tend to turn a little bit of a blind eye to whether this person is really a good fit or not. So that's extremely, extremely important. Then the, the sort of next phase, the second phase, or the second step, I like to talk about phases because it's a journey. It's not a step for me. A step is again like a checklist. So let's then, once we vet it, we decide it, and there's only two outcomes. It's either, yes, we're a good fit, so then we move on uh, and further along the onboarding process, or you exit the onboarding process. And then even when you exit the onboarding process, I guess you need to decide, are you going to keep contact with this client? Because maybe they're not a good fit right now, but maybe in future they, they could be. Uh, so you need to decide whether you want to keep contact with that client. But there's still a little bit of a process that needs to happen when somebody exits the onboarding process early on because they were not a good fit. Then the next part is really getting to know each other. And this is more in detail. This is the gathering info bit that we are really, really used to. And this is where we get all the information from a copy of the will and the anti-natural contract and trust documents and financial statements and in assets, liabilities, income and expenses, budgets, all the technical, factual things that we need to know. But also it's about, you know, and probably you would have discussed this a little bit earlier when you were vetting the client about what their goals and aspirations and, and objectives are. But now you're getting to more detail. And obviously, um, I mean, the, the, the technical part is only one small part of it. There's much more detail that are being discussed in understanding the client and connecting with the client and really getting it to from a, you know, what do you want to achieve in life point of view and how are we going to do that by supporting that financially. Um, that's really what it's about. So, so that's the next step. You know, how, how do we gather this information? And what is that experience like for the client? Is it like pulling teeth? Or is it the most amazing experience that they've ever had? And here, the client portals and those kind of things play a very important role to make it easy for somebody to go and put the information in at their leisure when they have time. And also, usually when you do get information like that from a client, it's typically correct, but it doesn't mean that it's all the information because they don't always have all the information, right? And those things are very important, but that's the next step. Once we have this information, and now maybe we, we, I think a lot of people stop here. A lot of advisors will go like, so I've got the client, I've put them into my system. So, so let me just take one back. I decided we want to work together. I say, welcome. Now I put them into my system. I get the information, I add that to the system. Now they have onboarded because I have all the info. But I think the onboarding process can continue from here because often when you and I start a relationship, we need to determine where we are and where we want to get to and what the gap is. So we need to do that analysis. And I think very few advisors will see that part as being part of the onboarding process because really what are we after? We, we, we need to get a plan in place that we can manage, review and monitor because that's where the long-term value sits. It's helping people achieve what they want to achieve by keeping them on the right track and on the right road. So that's the end goal. That's when the onboarding stops is when we've, we've, we've really um, analyzed the situation. We know the gaps. And then the next phase would be then to get that plan in place. So this is all still part of the onboarding. Remember, at this point, the client is still very new to you. Maybe they're very new to financial planning in general. So those things are things that we need to think about. So that experience needs to carry through from the one phase to the next phase to the next phase about how do we do this? How do we make it awesome? So... Once we've done the, the analysis and we know the gaps, then it's time for charting the path 
or charting the plan or just, you know, getting a plan together. And then I think a big, big part of the onboarding process is education. So this is making sure that the, that the client understands what's going to happen. A part of this maybe to, to set the right expectations, although you would have been doing this right through uh, the onboarding process or, or through that journey. But now there's also this education piece where we need to make sure that we, we teach our clients and we make them, we, we help them be part of the conversation. We bring them into the conversation by making sure they learn what it's about at their level, in their language. Um, so that is a big, big, big part of it. And then even, you know, when we start to take action, um, I think that's when we get closer to the, to the end of the onboarding process and then we hit the review and monitoring, tweaking, adjusting as we go through over time. And, and that's sort of, so, so in my mind, those are the phases and uh, really something to really consider and say, well, you know, what does your, your onboarding process look like? But on that point, I mean, let's see, maybe what makes a great onboarding uh, experience. Well, the first thing is, and, and, and Claire Delaney also said this uh, on, on Next Gen Planners Workshop, is it's got to be dynamic, you know. So dynamic means, I think in my mind, dynamic and efficient is sort of maybe goes together. Uh, but being dynamic means that it, it, it adjusts to the client that you're onboarding. So yes, there is a process, but it isn't like everybody goes into the same hole or in the same box. Um, you know, it, it flows like it should uh, and, and how it needs to flow. So that is a very important part of this process when you design it. Um, the next thing I believe is that it needs to be flexible and adaptable, which just links back to the dynamic part. Uh, you know, um, any process that you have, doesn't matter whether it's onboarding or it's your financial planning process, it's your review process, it is your communication process, it's your servicing process, whatever process it may be, it needs to be flexible and adaptable. If ever you get close to the point where you say like, no, you know, this is how we do it and this is how we've always done it and we try and force people 100% through that, you know, just understand that some clients won't be happy with that and they will probably go look for a better experience somewhere else. So we've got to be uh, flexible and adaptable from that point of view. Then also, I think the other thing is that, which is very, very important, is that we want to automate as much as possible in this process because that is what makes it efficient. But we also need to focus on, on people. So there's got to be that personal touch. You can't just automate everything and it's links and forms and all sorts of things that people need to fill in. And once they filled in that form electronically, it goes to six places and it's just saved you three years and two days of time but you haven't spoken to the client, you haven't checked in with the client, you know, you haven't had a meeting with the client, none of that. I mean, in an ideal world, we would just like want to have a website where people go and they just do whatever they need to do and this thing guides them through everything and then we just get paid at the end of the day. But that is not what people are looking for. If you automate as much as possible, it means that you'll have more time to spend with people, with your clients, and to spend quality time and have great conversations, ask great questions. So those things are important that that is built into your onboarding process or, or experience. Then, of course, something that I hop on a lot in the show is consistency. You know, it's got to be predictable. It's got to be like everybody in your team needs to know what needs to happen and when it needs to happen. And that's what brings the consistency. And you follow this onboarding process consistently. And, you know, as you start working with clients, you can already decide that one little piece we need to do this way this time and that little piece we need to do this way but it is still that piece that needs to be done so very important 
Then also, if you have a, 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 a really great onboarding uh, process and experience, you are, throughout that whole process, you will make sure that there are clear expectations. Clear expectations uh, to the client so that they know what is expected of them, but also clear expectations about what they can expect from you, your staff, your business, you know, um, all of that. So really, really important to make sure that that is built into how do you create these expectations. And often it's about, you know what, this particular piece, once we've gathered all your information, it's going to take three months before we come back to you with the analysis and a plan. Nobody's really going to get upset about that. Um, and I, I always tell, tell, tell people, like, when, when, when there's an issue, it's because we didn't tell someone that it's going to take three weeks. If somebody knows, you don't get upset. But if your expectation is that something can be done in a day and it's not done in a day, but I didn't tell you that it's going to be three weeks, you're going to get upset and you're going to think, oh, I've got the worst service in the world. So very important that we set those expectations and that's part of the the process to, to do that. Then also, if, if your onboarding process is really solid, it's going to be an experience. It's going to have these phases. It's going to have a journey. The client knows where it starts, where it ends, and sort of what's going to happen in the middle. And it's a flow. It just goes, you know, from the one thing to the next to the next. But we manage that. It's not a task list. Often we view this as step, that's why I don't like to talk about steps, because step one, step two, step three, step four, it's, it's tasks. But if it's a journey, we're now in this phase, and there's a few tasks that we need to do there, but then we go into the next phase, and there you go. It's like almost going from Gauteng to the Free State to the Western Cape, if you're traveling down to Cape Town, for example. Different scenery, different experience. Uh, the, you know, sort of the, the, the distance between two towns really gets longer and longer and it takes longer and longer to get to your next destination, but you see the most weird and wonderful things on your way there. So all of those kind of things are part of this. Um, and, and that's why I like talking about, about phases. So make sure that it's a journey and that it is not, it's, it's not just the task list and things that we are trying to, to tick off. Extremely important, I spoke about the personal touch a little bit earlier. You have to have that balance between automation and the personal touch. So it's still about the client. It's not about their money. It's not about their, their, uh, their wealth or their policy, you know, almost as, well, schedule or their, their policy portfolio, you know, whatever that they have. It's not about that. It's about the person. So what can you automate, okay, so that, and still personalize that automation but then having the personal touch where two human beings are actually talking to one another. And there's really some awesome stuff that people are doing in that space. So definitely something to think about as well. And then the last thing that so few of us have is a documented onboarding process. Never mind that all your processes should be documented, that, uh, but this needs to be documented. And people do it in different ways. <clears throat> some people will put it into a flow diagram, which will show, da -da, da -da, da -da, you know, like we, we typically think about a process. But then what people do also is just have a page with words on it, and they just write out what happens during this phase, and then what needs to happen during the next phase. And each one of those are maybe a separate document or a separate page or just a separate section at least to, so that it's easy to refer back to. So explaining to a client, I believe, you know, that the picture is maybe the more uh, effective thing to set that expectation and for them to understand what the journey looks like and where we want to end up and for them to say, oh, wow, that sounds amazing. 
And then you need the detail for the, your team and yourself to make sure that you actually stick to that process. So those are definitely uh, important things to, to consider. Then the benefits of a slick onboarding experience. So what does this mean for you if you have, uh, you, know, you put a lot of work and effort and time into this onboarding process? I mean, what is the benefit for, for your business? And what is the benefit for you if you do that, um, which I think is important? Well, the first thing is it brings clarity for you, your team and your client and certainty. Because what happens when a client makes this big decision to hand over their money to you? It's a huge decision for them. And often, you know, they may say, well, in the first meeting, well, I like Francois. And then, you know, they say, oh, let's go ahead because everybody's excited and it's a very quick thing. And now they sign it off and sign it over. Now they go home and go like, mom, mama, did I make the right decision? You know, do you think this is wise? And they start doubting their decision. But if your onboarding process is solid, it's going to create that certainty. It's going to reinforce the fact that they made the right decision to work with you. And they will be clear on why they made that decision. So that's a huge benefit because it, does, it means that you don't have to go and reiterate re and, and just re-explain and reposition your, the value proposition that you bring to them. They will know because it's all built into the onboarding process. Then uh, next one is it's a marketing tool. When you create this great experience, what do people do? They go and tell others, and that's exactly what you want them to do. So that's what you get known for. It's like, you know, it's, it's painless to, to join this business. It's the way they look after me, the way that they teach me new things, the way that they gathered my information. All of this has just been amazing. I've never, ever experienced anything like this. But they can only do that if you have a, a process that you've put together and that you really, really... Uh, you know, implement and you take action and you make it better and you tweak it and you, and you adapt it and you change it as necessary in order to get it as best as it can be. And here's another tip just on that, which is not a benefit, but maybe just a tip from me is don't wait until this thing is perfect because you'll never do it. Just get a process together which you think this is awesome or this is great or good enough even, and then you start doing it. And then you're going to start getting feedback. You're going to see where things are hocking a bit, you know, like, like it's getting stuck so then you can sort that out, and that's how you make it better and better and better. And every time you, you better something, you communicate it with your clients because it shows that you're working on it, you want to make things better, you know, there's advancement, there's progress, and that's what people like. It's part of, the, part of the journey. Then I think a big thing, and this is something that we talk a lot uh, and definitely going to talk a lot this year and maybe in, in the coming years, is raising the bar. This definitely puts you on another level of professionalism. When you get in where somebody says, oh, sign these documents and, you know, and often that whole process is, oh, you want to see me, sign this letter of authority, let me get all your information so I can come prepared. That is sort of the way we position it. But now the client is handing over sensitive information to you and they don't even know whether they want to work with you or not, you know. So often, you know, that's the general experience. But if you approach it in a different way, it's going to put you on just the, the next level, on a completely another level, and you're going to raise that bar and others are eventually going to have to follow suit. And in that way, uh, you know, you contribute actually to making this better uh, and, and to enhance the profession. And in that same vein, what you're doing is you are distinguishing yourself and your business because, trust me, you will stand out. And for that reason, people will talk about you. They will tell their friends. They will tell their family. You know what? Go work with Pete. Go, go work with Sonny. You know, that's, that's important. And then at the end of the day, it's going to save you a lot of time. And if you're saving time, it's saving you a lot of money. 
so it makes you more profitable. So those are the, the important things that I think you need to consider about why is it so important to go spend time and, and maybe you, you've, you have this bit of an onboarding or you have a proper onboarding process, but is it documented? And if it's documented, when last did you review it? So my challenge to you today is to go and sit down and just map out what is happening from the time that a client becomes a prospect or a lead and they want to come into your business. So it doesn't matter how that happens, whether it's a referral or it was a marketing exercise or it was a cold call, it doesn't matter. But what happens from that point? And, and what is your process like? And see how you can, how you can work on that. And then just maybe before I get to the comments, is uh, that we're going to do a proper workshop on this in uh, when, so, so yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about Propulsion Pro that's being launched. But once that is done, we're going to have a proper workshop as well on the onboarding process and probably something like a challenge where you can get going on this. Uh, so uh, we will definitely let you uh, know more about that uh, once that becomes available. But uh, definitely something that we are going to do in the very near, near future. All right, so let me just quickly run uh, through through some of the comments here. Um, so, uh, where was I? So, let me just see quickly. Um, yeah, so there. So, Kubis was just saying um, about the Ignite thing. Yes, uh, it's part of our onboarding process where we send a personalized video to, to uh, every member that joins to say thank you for joining, giving some more information, and also asking, you know, what made you join, which was, which was incredible. And uh, the feedback from that is just amazing. It really blows my mind. So I'm really grateful for every single person that has signed up thus far, and I hope to have many more of you join us very soon. Um, so Quibus is just saying he finds deep ongoing value from his uh, Ignite membership or subscription. Um, the content, the CPD, the special webinars, the exclusive content that we're doing, so all of that. Um, and then also he wants to support me in, in, in my ventures, which I'm very grateful for. Thank you very much, Kubis. Uh, you always put your money where your mouth is, and uh, I really appreciate that. So a very uh, great message to, to receive this morning. Um, then we've got uh, Johan Wall, the wool case. Oh, we talked about that. Uh, that. Um, so Kuba says it was a nice challenge to go from an in-person onboarding experience to now a full virtual onboarding experience. And those are two very different things. And uh, I really look forward, like Kuba, I definitely, I mean, I did chat to you already, like have you back on the show. And that's one of the things that we're definitely going to talk about uh, in, in that interview. So cool stuff. Um, Johan says people firstly buy how you make them feel, not what you're selling. The importance of a great onboarding experience as the first confirmation of that initial emotional purchase can hardly be overstated. 100% Johan and I know at Comspace, I mean, this is, this is the one thing, it's that white glove treatment, I think you call it. And uh, it's, it's really, really amazing. So definitely something uh, that you talk from, uh, from experience. Uh, good morning, Sandra. Nice to have you with us. Kovas uh, is saying indeed. Uh, Tim, great show, Francois. Look forward to the live, live show. Yeah, me too. I can't wait for that one. Uh, Bongi says, interesting. Thank you. Alrighty, so with that, that's the end of, of our feature topic, but it's not the end of the show. So now I'm really excited. I'm going to um, now hand over to Razan Westhuizen to talk to us this morning a little bit about, about marketing and branding. And I'm looking forward to this. I have no idea what to expect this morning, so I think it's going to be, be awesome. So uh, with that, uh, let's talk about branding and marketing.
Good morning, Francois, and good morning, fellow propulsioneers, I guess. Um, it's great to be with you today, and a happy Friday to you. So today we're going to be looking at a branding and marketing segment. Um, and uh, we're going to be looking at a habit that we are very, very familiar with. There's thousands of books and articles written by the greatest minds on this. It's a habit that's known to re yield results in our practices and our daily lives. And I want to tell you why you should bring or you should practice um, this habit in your branding as well. So to kick off, Francois, I'm going to actually pull you in here for a rapid fire exercise. And um, I hope you're ready. And um, I'm going to name you either a brand or a color. And what you need to do is respond with the first brand or color or even image that pops into your into your head. So are you are you ready? <laughs> <Don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I knew is at least that you were going to ask me questions, but I have no idea what. So so let's go. <laughs> okay, rapid fire. Red. Coca Cola. Build this warehouse. <laughs> I can't answer that because I've got very strong feelings about Filters Warehouse. Um, but, this game. Uh, <laughs> I just see yellow. That's what I see. This game. Um, this game is green. Fanta? Orange. What about Fanta? Fanta grape? Uh, we'll get to uh, <laughs> color <Barney>. psychology <laughs> in the next segment. <laughs> Mr. Delivery. Um, sure. I, I see a, a small motorcycle. That's what I think about. Kellogg's cornflakes. A rooster. Yeah. Um, thanks, Rosa. That was that was awesome. <laughs> so uh, you're quite right. That rooster. Um, he's actually called Cornelius, and he's been around for about four decades since the 1950s. But it took about 20 years and a couple of reinvention before he was actually established as a household icon. I mean, 20 years is quite a long time. And these days we're looking at about five years for to, to establish a brand. But what this really, really illustrates is our brains process visual information 60,000 times faster than text. Um, and following on, on your onboarding experience uh, or your onboarding talk as well, Francois, what we are talking to about today is uh, the habit of consistency in the look and the feel of the branding that you put out in all of your inter um, communications and interactions. Um, and in the onboarding experience, that's a brilliant, brilliant place to immediately establish brand. I mean, you, you have no better better chance actually there with a foot in the door to start start doing that. So what is the big deal about brand consistency? Brand consistency is about establishing familiarity and trust that can carry on without the need of your physical presence or voice. And it works like this. In order for people to know you, they, in order for people to trust you, they need to feel like they know you. And in order for people to know you, they must be aware of you, they must recognize you, and they must remember you. Now, in order for people to recognize and remember you, that you must show up in a way that is consistent. So this is where coming where we were bringing in uh, bringing in your brand consistency consistently in every single brand interaction. So words and visuals are the two pillars of branding, and you need to be consistent in both. 
Visuals are a very powerful cue in brand recognition. And if you think about it, for instance, scrolling through a LinkedIn feed, um, which people's post would you recognize if, um, if you were not able to see who the person was that posted it and, uh, and you, won't, you weren't able to see their comments? Which of those visual posts would you be able to say, oh, that's a Terrence Tobin post? That's a, that's a Francois, that's a propulsion post, that's a Corvus Clang post. How will you be able to, to differentiate those? And then on the second point, what happens if you're unable to post yourself or you're building a brand with legacy? Um, people need to recognize the communications you put out, even if you yourself as a business owner is removed from it. And to do that, we need to be consistent in the visuals and the colors and the look and the feel that we put out. It's um, as important as consistently showing up in the values and the, the um, level of services that you stand for and bringing that to the table to your clients, it's as important to bring that into the visuals. Because if we take you away from your services, you're unable to deliver it, somebody else needs to deliver it, your visuals need to bridge the gap and it needs to carry you through. So just to recap on that, our brains process visual information 60,000 times faster than text. This is a scientific fact. Um, words and visuals are the two pillars of branding, and you need to be consistent in both. And brand consistency is about establishing familiarity and trust that can carry on without the need of your phys physical presence or voice. Like, for instance, in our onboarding experience. So that's all from me. Um, just to recap, um, in the great words of Bruce Springsteen, and they don't call him the boss for nothing, getting an audience is hard. Sustaining an audience is hard. It demands consistency of thought, of purpose, and action over a long period of time. Anyways. That's all from me for today. Thank you very much, Francois, and all of you. I hope you have a wonderful Friday and a wonderful week ahead. Yeah, awesome. I just want to add that it doesn't matter whether you were born in the USA or whether you're dancing in the dark. That is true. <laughs> all right. Um, Razan, just, just one thing before you go. Um, and, and I've had this conversation with you before. Like I, I see a lot of um, us on social media specifically doing posts and specifically we love using images okay so so never mind videos and those kind of things but but using visuals but every time they use a visual it's completely different it is something either a stock photo or it is something that is there's nothing as you said to recognize now i think about a company like iwcp you know every time there's a post you can see apart from the fact that their logo is always on that thing i mean that's not the first thing you see because it's very small and in the corner and actually it's a little bit blended into the picture but there's a distinct look and feel to that image and you immediately know that oh this is these guys again you know um and and i think it's so, so important that you touched on that this morning to say you know what that is the recognition and when people start to associate with that you know, think about, uh, um, you know, there's some political party who, who does red. I mean, we two different people are going to have two very different reactions to that particular red. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I, I responded with Coca-Cola now thinking about it. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's, I think we underestimate the power of these consistent colors, a consistent look and feel. 
Um, so just maybe from a practical, maybe a little practical tip, how can you make sure that you've you got that consistency? Yeah, Franza, it's very much um, like consistently showing up for a meeting. Um, when you're showing up in your communications, your folders, your every single item that you the client is dealing with, if you've got a folder that, um, for example, you've got a folder, it's got a picture of X on it that's got like a red coloring, your next folder has got like a blue coloring, and there's absolutely no tie to it. You can imagine it's on your, your client's desk or wherever they you know, they chuck it on the dining room table, who knows. And, um, you know, after a while, the, 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 the connection goes away. And there's actually a psychological term for that, for this, that um, we forget, uh, uh, we forget uh, to the association between a brand when it's removed out of context. So later on, you might look at these two folders, and it might look like completely different topics or, 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 you know, people. Um, and I think really there, people need to be very much, when they consistently, when they're showing up to the client, when they're handing them a, a marketing item, it can be a folder, it can be a business card, it can be a, a visual pro, a, a virtual profile, it can literally, it can be some of your posts. If you're consistent in that, then they will consistently recognize you um and and that comes in with colors it comes in with your branding it comes in with you know often i see people you've got a logo big up here and then the logo is in a different place and then then the logo is all suddenly you know it, it, it looks completely different and it's confusing it's like showing up um it's like showing up to your clients every single day but every day you wear a different body I mean, inside you're still the same, but outside you have to completely reintroduce yourself to the world. Yeah, so it's kind of like that. So um, I think very much the consistency, where the logo placing is, the coloring that you use, try and pull that through in absolutely everything that you do. Oh, awesome. Razan, thank you very much. Uh, it's extremely valuable. Once again, I really enjoyed it. And uh, looking back to having you, you back next month to talk a little bit more about uh, marketing and branding. I wish you a fantastic weekend and uh, we'll chat soon. Great. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Cool. All right. So then let's do the wrap of today. So it was a very interesting day. Uh, the new segment brought to us uh, by the FBI and presented by Sima Nika this morning. And really interesting, I think the Wills case specifically, an old will where somebody said because uh, one of the beneficiaries was female, she couldn't inherit. And that was overturned recently in the Constitutional Court, which is the highest court in the land. And a very interesting case to see like something so old can still be overturned today, even if it's more than 100 years later, because I think that came from 1902. So I really love that bit. And there was a whole host of other things that she was sharing. Then uh, Norma spoke to us about beliefs and the stories we tell ourselves and how we believe these things to be true and how that influences our results and our behavior and everything down the line. So very important and very, very powerful. Again, just to go and sit a little bit and think about those and, uh, you know, just revisit what are, what are the stories I'm telling myself, you know, the buts and the uh, because or you don't understand, you know, those kind of things that we respond with. So very important. Then uh, I spoke, uh, you know, quite considerably about the onboarding process or onboarding experience, client onboarding experience, what it is. Um, you know, the different phases, uh, sort of the things to consider with that, and also the benefits of a great client onboarding experience. Then we had Razan talking about, uh, about the 
the importance of showing up in a consistent way to build your brand. I think that's sort of one way uh, to sum it up because Bruce Springsteen's saying was just too long to remember, but that's definitely important. So it's over a long period of time, how do we build familiarity? How do we build, uh, you know, getting people to feel like they know us so that they can ultimately trust us? And that only happens if you are recognizable and you always show up in the same manner and in the same way. So that's it for, for today. Uh, the one thing that I do want to make you aware of is that uh, on the 19th, oh, well, the eight, it's got maybe the 19th or the 18th, I'm not sure 100% yet, but we are going to launch Propulsion Pro. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, it's, the, it's a massive upgrade on Ignite. It's a massive thing that's just going to happen. Uh, everybody that's already Ignite members are going to be founding members of Propulsion Pro. You're going to be automatically upgraded. It's not going to cost anything extra, but the value is going to be... I don't even know how multiplied how many times, but you will have to be there to see what's going to happen. So please look out for the invitation. We're going to do a live launch for that. So it's probably going to be Thursday evening, uh, the 18th. So we're going to do it at 7 o'clock in the evening, but we will send out more information on WhatsApp and our email. So please look out for that. It is something that you do not want to miss. Then uh, we've got our webinar coming up this month. Uh, also more information to follow on that. And then also um, we will send out more information about the exclusive Q&A and exclusive event for the Ignite members. And then just lastly, um, I did send out yesterday a WhatsApp about a 3D virtual conference. Uh, Kubis is going to be doing his story of how he pivoted his practice in 100 days to a, a virtual practice. It's really an amazing, I've, I've, I've heard that talk of his before. It's extremely valuable, but there's also a host of other people that are also contributing to this conference. And it's, it's, there are free tickets. There's also paid for tickets, but you can check that out. That happens on the 19th of March. I think it starts at 10.30 in the morning in South Africa. But um, yeah, really amazing to go and check that out. Um, all the information was on the WhatsApp. Uh, if you don't have the information, please let me know. I will forward it to you. And uh, yeah, we look forward to, to seeing you there. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Have a fantastic weekend. Thank you for being here, for supporting us, and for everything that you, that you do. Uh, you do an amazing job, and uh, you're really changing people's lives. Uh, even I think there's a lot of these that you don't know that you are doing that. So thank you very much. I appreciate you. I will see you soon. Have a fantastic weekend. Look after yourself. And remember, raise the bar. Bye-bye.